Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. What is our purpose? Your purpose, mine. Why are we here? What about our church? What's our church purpose? What's the, why, why do we gather? Why do we give? Why do we have pastors and staff members and ministries? What's the point of all of this? Why does the church exist? Why was I placed here on earth and why were you placed here on earth? Are we fulfilling our God-given purpose as individuals, as Christians, and together as a church family? These questions are questions that mankind has struggled with for millennia. Why are we here and, and are we fulfilling our purpose? Sometimes we call it in, in our society where we get a little bit down the road in life, 10, 20, 30 years, and we've kind of established our career and maybe had our children and done our thing and whatever it was. And we kind of look back and we look back and kind of think, is this all there is? And in our society, we call that a midlife what? Crisis. What are we saying? Often we'll get to the middle of our life or beyond and look back and say, I don't, I still am not quite sure I've figured out why I'm here. What am I doing here? What's, what's my whole purpose for existence? And the, we, man has struggled with this for millennia. Uh, you can go back thousands of years to one of the wealthiest and wisest men to ever live, and you can read his treatise on the purpose of life. We call it in the Old Testament, the book of Ecclesiastes. King Solomon had all the, the money you could ever want. And, and he basically said in, in Ecclesiastes, he said, I'm going to figure out what this life is all about. I'm going to try it all. Whatever, whatever somebody says might be the thing that will bring me fulfillment, I'm going to try it. And, and we try to find that purpose in all kinds of things. We try to find that purpose in relationships. And we try to find that fulfillment in, in substances sometimes. We try to find that fulfillment in a career or, or in some accomplishment or some material possession. And maybe if I get that house and if I get to that place and if I can live in that zip code and my kids can go to that college and whatever it is, we're trying to find that purpose. There's got to be something more. And Solomon, he said, I'm not going to hold back anything. Whatever people have said is what will make you happy, I'm going to try it. And you can go back and read Ecclesiastes a few years ago. We walked through that book for a few months, and I preached through that book verse by verse. And what Solomon found is that everything that man says will bring you fulfillment ends up being unfulfilling in the long run ends up being dissatisfying and brings no lasting purpose or value. Solomon found out that fame, fortune, power, and any worldly significance, all of those things are fleeting. World-famous actor and comedian Robin Williams, who committed suicide in 2014, he said, all it takes is a beautiful fake smile to hide an injured soul, and they will never notice how broken you really are. What was he saying? I've brought joy to millions or, or laughter. I've brought happiness. I've, I've made people laugh. And, and from the world's perspective, I've reached the peak of my profession. And I still haven't found my fulfillment. 
my purpose. I don't know all that he struggled with, and I don't know all of the, the issues that, that may have been, that he may have battled, what we, we might call his demons. I don't know all that led him to that sad decision to take his own life in 2014, but, but from, from that decision and from the things I've read in his life, what you can see is somebody that has said, I'm not quite sure I've found my purpose for existence. Celebrity Jim Carrey, who has a net worth of an estimated $150 million, was quoted as saying, I wish everyone could experience being rich and famous so that they could see it wasn't the answer to anything. Those that we hold up as the bastions of worldly success, if whatever, in whatever area, whether it's financially, whether it's in business, politics, Republican, Democrat, it doesn't matter. Well, if I could get there, if I had that position and that kind of power and that kind of wealth and that kind of influence, then my life, all of those, I would have it all figured out. Well, it doesn't take long to just Google up political scandals or, and I don't say that gleefully, but, but uh, politicians who have lost their families or whatever it might be addicted to this substance or caught up in this scandal, living this double life to show us it doesn't matter what, what arena of worldly success that we would view as. If I had that life, then I would have it all figured out. You look in any of those arenas, politics, Business, CEOs, the, the billionaires, whatever it might be, uh, uh, professional sports, music, Hollywood. You look in any of those arenas and you know what you'll find? Often those that we would say have reached the pinnacle, have figured it out of the human experience, many times they struggle in greater numbers with, with addictions and depressions and broken relationships and sometimes suicide. And by the way, those things can all afflict a pastor as well. Broken relationships and addictions and depression and, and sadly sometimes suicide. It, it doesn't matter the arena. If we don't understand our true purpose, we will wander through this life wondering, is this all there is? I almost played for you. I've played it a few years ago. I decided not to. But I almost played for you a, a, a short video of Tom Brady from early on in his career. What some would, many would say, the greatest quarterback of all time in the NFL. He's won six Super Bowls. Is trying to get a seventh one place today, actually. And uh, we'll see if he wins today or not. Uh, but he said after he'd won his second or third Super Bowl, he basically said, I came to myself and said, I've reached the top. Is this all there is? There's got to be more. We've got to answer that question, what is our purpose? And, and uh, one of the reasons that we struggle and wander through life, we don't understand our purpose. Last Sunday, for those of you that may not have been here, we had our vision Sunday, and, and I talked to our church family about my prayer and kind of our, our, our passion moving through, our direction moving through this year of 2021, a year of renewal. And, and some of the things that COVID gave us a chance with the shutdown and all of that, we took a step back. I don't know, I'm guessing you did the same thing our family did. Everything got shut down. Whatever was on our calendar was not on our calendar anymore. Our church, we shut down for a few, a, a couple of maybe 10 or 12 weeks. And when I say shut down, we continued to have services online, but our, our weekly gatherings were not happening. We weren't running any of our, of our uh, ministries, our outreach, the bus routes were not running. Our Christian school went online, all of the classes, they weren't gathering here. Everything kind of got put on hold and all of us got the opportunity to take a step back and say, okay, I've got a clean slate. What really matters? What am I going to give my time to? What am I going to give my finances to? What am I going to give my life to? Let me take inventory of our lives. Are we living, now that we've kind of just for the first time in any of our lives been given a clean slate, are we living the way we want to be living? And by the way, not only did that happen for us individually, it happened as leadership of our church for our church family. 
We, several months ago, we sat down as, as a church staff and leadership and we looked and said, okay, are we why are we here? And are we fulfilling our reason for existence as a church? What is the purpose of the church? Now, you say, were you having some kind of identity crisis? Do you, it's not that, that our church wasn't fulfilling its purpose biblically, but just like your life, it gave us a chance to look and everything that's on our calendar, is it helping us fulfill our purpose? And, and so we individually as, 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 as Christians and then corporately as a church, we must understand our why. And this morning I want to talk to us. I mentioned this last week and it's going to be the next month or so on Sundays. This, this series on a renewed purpose. And I, I gave us last week at Vision Sunday, I told you that our church has a mission statement, if you will. We have a purpose that has been stated and, 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 and it was here when I got here. It was three part. In fact, you heard it in the opening video today. We need to change that because we're renewing our purpose. But it said, love God, love others, preach the gospel. There's nothing wrong with that purpose. In fact, those are the two great commandments that God, that Jesus gave, love God and love others. And then the last commandment he gave us, and we're going to study today, preach the gospel. But I talked to our staff and I said, I don't know that, that I've done a great job really passing that along into our church family. And then when we look at the structure of our church, we say that's our purpose. Are we fulfilling that purpose? Uh, when somebody comes to our church, is there, does our structure of our ministry guide us through that purpose? And we spent hours talking about that. And we said, moving into 2021, I, I want to see us renew our purpose. And so we wrote down, we brainstormed, we had all these things talking through, thinking through our youth ministry, our school ministry, our Spanish ministry, our children's ministry, our adult ministry, all of these things. And what does the structure look like? And that's going to be continuing to unfold here in 2021. But my prayer is that we will understand our purpose, our why. And then we have to also understand our process, our how. You see, the purpose, understanding our why. Why are we here? And by the way, you individually need to understand your why. Why did God put you here? I'm going to suggest to you that our church's fourfold purpose is also, as a Christian, your fourfold purpose. That's a hard one to say. Your fourfold purpose. And we looked at our, but then it's great to have a mission statement on the wall. Here's our fourfold purpose, Bill. But if the process doesn't match it, uh, Craig Smith was here in the early service and he said, I don't know if we should call it a mission statement. He said, because it should be more than just words. It should be like a mission action or something. He said that that idea of not just our purpose. Okay, we all know our purpose. If we took a quiz, the church's purpose is to share the gospel, but our process, how? Is the structure of our church helping people and to do that in their own lives? Are we actually doing that in our church? And so we're gonna talk this morning about our renewed purpose and over the next several, we're gonna take one piece of each one of them and it's for our church as a whole. But by the way, who is the church? Talk to me, who's the church? You and me. So when I say this is the purpose of our church, don't sit there and say, oh, that's good. So that's the purpose of the pastor and that's the purpose of this building. No, that's, the, that's your purpose. And that's my purpose. We are the church. The church is not the building. This is, we are a gathering of the church in, in a church building, but we are the church. And so last week I talked about our four-step purpose, our renewed purpose, and they can throw that up there. And these are the four, and I walked us through it in a summary last week, uh, but, but, but over the next coming, we're going to take one at a time. And I talked about all of this, and if you want to go back and watch it from last week, you can in, in summary last week, but now we're going to talk about it in detail. What does this mean? This is our fourfold purpose for why the church exists. And we're going to see it biblically. And I want to suggest to you, this is your fourfold purpose as a Christian for why God has left you here. We're going to see that 
in Scripture. Turn with me, if you will, to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 1. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, there should be a, a Bible in the pew rack in front of you. I encourage you to follow along. We're going to look at about 20, 20, 25 verses today. And if there's any power in my preaching, it's from the Word of God. And so I hope you'll, you'll follow along and see it for yourself. Acts in chapter 1, put a marker there and then go over to Luke 24. Acts 1, Luke 24. We're going to start in Luke 24, then we're going to go over to Acts 1, then we're going to come back to Luke 24 this morning. The gospel according to Luke is the story of Christ's earthly life and ministry. So the, the four gospels in the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those four books all tell the account of when Jesus walked on earth. And they tell it from different vantage points and some of them give different details. But Luke, when we read the gospel of Luke, what we're reading is the earthly life and ministry of Christ. Now Luke has a sequel. It's not in your Bible. They're not right next to each other. They're a book apart. But Luke, where Luke ends, the book of Acts picks up. They were written by the same person. They were written by Luke, a medical doctor, a physician. And, and so Luke writes Luke, and then he, the gospel according to Luke, and then he picks up and he writes Acts. So the reason I tell you that is we're going to look at the beginning of Acts and the end of Luke. These two stories go together. In fact, they're the same story. They're just different accounts that were written by, by Dr. Luke. And so what we're going to see here is what was the priority at the end of Jesus' earthly life and ministry, which is the book of Luke. And then Acts is a story of the history of the early church. The church that Christ established, Acts tells us how once Jesus went back to heaven, how his followers went and planted churches everywhere. And the church that you and I gather in today would be a descendant, if you will, of the church that began here in the book of Acts. So we're going to see at the beginning of the history of the New Testament local church, what you and I are gathering in today, what was their purpose and what was their priority? I would say if, if we as followers of Christ need to know our purpose, then we need to look at what Jesus told his followers was their purpose. And then if we as the church want to know what the purpose of the church is, we should look at what Jesus told the church was their purpose. So that's what we're going to see this morning in Acts and in Luke. We are 60 messages into studying Acts verse by verse on Sunday mornings. We're taking about a month break from that to go over this purpose, and then we're going to jump back into Acts. But we've already been through Acts 1, but I want you to see here the end of Christ's ministry and the beginning of the New Testament local church. Pick it up with me, if you will, in Luke in chapter number 24, verse number 36. Luke 24, verse 36. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, peace be unto you. I, I need to give you the context here. Jesus has already died on the cross, what, what we're reading. He's already been crucified, he's been buried, and he's risen again. He's not yet ascended back into heaven. The Bible tells us that he spent about 40 days here before he went, for after he resurrected, before he went back to heaven. So that's where we're at. They've watched Jesus be, be, be uh, uh, scourged. They've watched him be beaten. They've watched him die. They've watched him cry out. It is finished. They've watched him die for their sins. They watched his body get placed in the grave, in the tomb. And then they went to the empty grave and found out he wasn't there anymore. That's where we find it. Jesus comes. He stands in the middle of them and he says, peace be unto you. Verse 37. What are the first four words there? Verse 37. Ready? Begin. But they were, they were what? By the way, it's encouraging to me that those that walked with Jesus every day for three years, saw him do all of those miracles, still struggled at times. They struggled with fear. They struggled with doubt. They struggled with uncertainty. 
They struggled not knowing what God was doing in their midst. Even after they had been with the Savior of the world, they still struggled. And you would think after all they had seen, he rose from the dead. Why would they be scared? But they were ter- that encourages me. That, that I'm not saying we should walk around scared, but it encourages me that, that even the disciples, they struggled. They were terrified and affrighted. Suppose that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, why are you troubled? And from Jesus' perspective, his followers had no reason to be scared. And by the way, there is no reason for you and I to live in fear, although it's natural at times from, from God's perspective. He was in control of it all. Well, why are you troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Well, what's going on, guys? Seriously, why, why haven't you learned to trust me yet? Behold my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Handle me. See, a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, have you here any meat? Basically, they're still sitting there like they're, they're, they're in shock. What is happening right now? How are we seeing Jesus? And he basically said, you guys got anything in the fridge? Kind of hungry. Anybody got something to eat? Like, let's move past this. And it says here in verse number 42, and they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and of a honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. He basically says, guys, you've got nothing to be scared about. It doesn't matter what's happening all around you. God's in control and it was all a part of the plan in the book. May I just stop? This isn't my message here, but may I just stop and say right now, hey, Christian in 2021, you have nothing to be terrified of. You have nothing to be fearful of. He's still in control and he gives us everything we need to know right here in his book. That's what he told them here. They're scared to death. What's happening? What's going to happen with our lives? What's the future going to look like? And he said, what are you scared of? This is, this is all how it was supposed to be. God's in control. Verse 46. And here it is. He tells them their purpose, why he's leaving them here on earth. And he said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them, and came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven, and they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. By the way, when you find your purpose, it brings great joy. And we're continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. That's the final account in the gospel according to Luke. By the way, most of the other three gospels, you look at the end, it's a similar account. Jesus saying similar things to his disciples. Flip over, if you will. Hold your hand in Luke 24. Flip over to Acts 1. We're going to read all of the text this morning, and then I'm going to pull out a few thoughts for us. Acts 1, I want you to see it beginning in verse number 3. So remember, Luke and Acts go hand in hand, written by the same person telling this, it's one long story. Luke ends with Jesus going back to heaven. Acts 1 begins with Jesus going back to heaven. It picks it right back up, kind of. You ever watch the TV show? And it's to be continued. And at the end of, of it there, and then the next one, it kind of gives a recap to get you up to speed. That's where we're at in Acts. Luke is to be continued. Acts picks it up. Verse number 3, talking of Jesus, to whom also... He showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So he tells us we're in the same spot. This is what Jesus said after he'd risen before he went back to heaven. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. 
For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So I want you to get the picture. Again, when you're reading the Bible, the Bible's alive. The Bible's an amazing book. Sometimes we get intimidated by it. Maybe we don't understand something. We don't know where to start. But when you, I, I try to put myself into the Bible when I'm reading it. This is a real, these are real events that happen with real people. Jesus is there and he's telling them, you're going to be witnesses of me. You're going to go and tell everybody what you've seen, what you've heard, what you've experienced. You're going to be witnesses of me. And, and this is your purpose for living. And I want you to see verse number six. This is crazy. Verse six. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Jesus comes and says, all right, I'm back. I'm back. I rose from the dead. Here's why I left you behind. Go get your, God, the Holy Spirit's going to give you power in Jerusalem. And you guys are going to turn this world upside down for me. And you know what the disciples said? Hey, Jesus, it's, it's, it's convenient we got you here. Good, good you're here. Now that you're here, i got a question for you, Jesus. I, was, I saw this thing on Fox News, and I was wondering what's happening with, like, all the political situation. Can you let us know? That's really what they said. Not, maybe not Fox News. It might have been Jerusalem News or whatever it was. But, are you, okay, oh, you're back. So are you going to restore the, political, the kingdom back to Israel? Jesus, what are you doing in politics right now? Well, what's, what's going on? What's, it, what's this all going to look like? Jesus, how, how is it going to work? Are, are you going to fix the kingdom? Politically, you died. We, we understand that was all good. You paid for the sins and all that stuff. And that was great. And we're glad you did it. But can you tell us what's going to happen here on earth? And isn't that where we find ourselves so often? God has given us his purpose for why we're here. And we say, yeah, that, that's good. We understand. But can you let me know how's this all going to work out? I don't understand what's happening with, with this. And I've, I've read this blog post and I saw that. And again, I'm not talking that Christians shouldn't be involved in, in some of those things and, sh and shouldn't be salt and light in those arenas and shouldn't be knowledgeable what's happening in their world. What I am saying is that is not our purpose. And notice what Jesus says. They said, God, what are you doing here on earth? Now that we have you here, we're kind of confused. We're kind of concerned. We're kind of fearful about what the future looks like. Can you tell us what, what's happening here on earth? Verse number seven, notice what he says to them. And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his power. Basically, what did he say? It's none of your business. Don't worry about it. Don't stress about that. That's not your purpose. May I just say, Liberty Baptist Church, that's not our purpose. It's not why he left us here. Oh, I know it's sometimes exciting and it's sometimes heartbreaking and, it's, and it's, it gets us all stressed out and we got whatever it might be, stuff that's happening on earth in the financial markets, in the political arena, in this and that. None of those things are our purpose. And Jesus is standing here. He's about to go back to heaven. He's going to say the last recorded words to his disciples here on earth. These are the things that are going to be ringing in their ears. And all they can think about is what's happening politically down here. Notice verse number eight. What does he say? Would you read verse number eight aloud with me? Ready? Begin. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. What did he say? That's none of your business, but you, this is your business. That word but, that little contraction there. Don't worry about this stuff. Worry about this stuff. This is why I left you. This is what I want you consumed by. This is what I want you thinking about. This is what I want you praying about. This is your purpose, church. This is your purpose, Christian. Verse number nine. 
And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Skip back to Luke 24. That's my introduction for the most part. And I'll, I'll pull out a few thoughts here, but I want us to see our purpose. The gospels end with his command to be witnesses. Acts, the, the story of the church opens with his commands to be witnesses. He said, I didn't leave you here to be worried about kingdoms of this world and all that God is doing in this world. I left you here to tell, to tell everybody that you can of me and my kingdom. Any study of the life of Christ will show the priority given for his followers to actively tell others what they have seen, heard, and experienced. That's what a witness is. If you are called to the stand as a witness, if today on the way home you witnessed a car accident and you gave a report to the police officer, what does a witness do? A witness explains and shares what they've seen, heard, and experienced. Well, this is what I saw. And, this is, and what does he say? You shall be witnesses. You are witnesses. The things you've seen in me, the things you've learned from the word, the things I've done in your life, I want you to share with everybody you can what you, to his disciples, what you've seen, heard, and experienced. To us, his disciples, what have you seen, heard, and experienced in the life and with Christ in your life? I want you to do that. Why did, why did Jesus come to earth? Well, he told us. What was his purpose? He told us, I am come to seek and to save that which was lost. He came, he said, I didn't come to call right, the righteous to repentance, but sinners. Why did he come to earth? To pay the sin debt of mankind. To make it so that you and I could go to heaven. Why did he go to the cross? He tells us, the Bible tells us, he, Jesus, became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He came to earth. Why did he come? He came so that we could know eternal life. Why did he die? He died so that we could have eternal life. Why did he rise? He rose so that we could have eternal life. And then why did he leave us here so that we could tell everybody about that eternal life? That was his purpose, and it's our purpose. And we wonder why so many churches are dying and so many Christians are, feel unfulfilled. We have forgotten as the church our purpose. He told his followers, go and share the gospel. What is the gospel? It just means the good news. Church, we are not a religious social club. The church is not just a safe alternative to the evil world around us. We don't have a Christian school just because we don't like some of the godless things that are taught in the public school system. No, everything we are and everything we do should point toward the goal of sharing the gospel with everybody that we can. I told you this last Sunday, churches naturally turn inward. The programs become all about serving themselves. And I'm not against programs that serve our families, but the priority should be to share the gospel. That's why we exist. That's why, God, that's why Christ left his disciples. And to use their resources, to use their, their, to pray that others would come to know, pray for laborers, to use funds to give so others could go, to share the gospel, to be a witness, to be a light, to, to show the love of Christ to those around them. And by the way, there are people that you can reach that I'll never reach. And there are people in your circle of influence that will only see Jesus if you show them Jesus. That's what God's called us to do. As a follower of Christ, convicting question, I have to ask myself, how is my witness? How is your witness? How are you doing in sharing the gospel with others? Those that follow you on social media, would they have any idea that you're a Christian? 
Your coworkers, would they, would they have any idea that you've, you've seen, heard, and experienced some life-changing thing? You know, if you were driving to church this morning and an asteroid or a meteor landed on the 405 and, and blew up a few cars and you dr- drove around it and decided to keep coming to church, do you think you would tell anybody about that when you got here? Probably talk about it, right? Probably ask somebody, hey, did you see the meteor? And they're like, what are you talking about? If you see some cra- life-changing thing that you've never seen before, you're going to talk about it. And, and you know, for us, you, you would share that. I, I was, remember driving in the last five years that we've lived here. There was a time two, three, four years ago where we I was driving down the 405, and I saw a, a little tiny two- or three-seater plane that missed the runway at John Wayne and, and ran into the, uh, the, the 405. Anybody remember that story? You might remember some of that. And it was on fire. The, the plane was kind of on fire and they had the fire trucks out there. It was sitting on the 405. I remember a year or two later, another one, I think it was the Big Lots parking lot over by South Coast Plaza, a plane missed the runway and landed there. Be careful of small, pi- small plane pilots in Orange County, I guess. They have a hard time finding the John Wayne runway. But guess what? When I saw that, guess what I did when I got home? Tiff, you'll never believe what I saw. I, it was natural for me to share something that was, that, was, that was kind of life impacting, if you will. How much more if we've had our lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ? Should we be trying to tell everybody that we can in whatever ways that we can? Did you know what happened to me? This was my life before Christ and somebody shared with me the truth of the scripture and he's completely changed my life. I, I can't help but tell you what God has done for me. Do your coworkers have any idea that you're a Christian? Your neighbors, we are called to be salt and light. Can you help me out? Put your, your index finger up in the air for me here. We're gonna, we're gonna go back to uh, junior church. Go ahead and put it up. The kids right now might be over there singing. Remember this kid's song we would sing? This little little what? Light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. And then what's the second stanza? Hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. You know, too often, too often, we're really good at hiding under a bushel, aren't we? At work, at home, online, in our social lives, in our daily lives. I want want you to go back to Luke 24 and give you a few thoughts from this passage on our purpose being to share the gospel. Number one, I want you to see in in this passage, our message, verse 46, our message. If our purpose is to share the gospel, what did Jesus teach them? He told them, number one, here's your message. He said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. What what did he say? Here's the message. It behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. What is that? The death, burial, and resurrection. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name. What is our message, church? Don't lose this. There are churches all across the country and around the world that have lost sight of what their true message is. Our message is not some cultural uh, phenomenon. Our message is not some cultural agenda. It's not some current event. Our message is Christ crucified. Our message is Jesus Christ and him alone. We preach Christ. I determined, Paul said, not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Christ crucified and risen again should be the centerpiece of our preaching at Liberty Baptist Church. And in your life, Christ should be the preeminent message of our lives. Too often, we as Christians, we shout our opinions. We boldly proclaim our political leanings. We trumpet our favorite sports teams, and then we whisper the truths of the gospel. 
we've lost our purpose. We've found our purpose in our favorite team. We found our purpose in our favorite candidate. We found our purpose in, in, our, in our career. We found our purpose in these things that are fleeting and will never last. And by the way, it's not just our lives, but far too often, pulpits are filled with man-made traditions, political commentary, personal preferences, cultural agendas, and little, if any, eternal truth to be found. These things ought not so to be. He told them, here's your message. Hey, but, but Jesus, now that we have you here, what's going on with the kingdom of Israel? Don't worry about what God's doing in the affairs of men. Your purpose is to preach Jesus Christ. That is the message. And, and when you come, you ought not hear a bunch of opinions of Ryan Thompson and a bunch of Ryan Thompson's traditions and, and his favorite sports teams. Although when the Niners are doing well, I'll let you know about that. But you ought not hear a whole lot about all of those things. Every now and again, if we win the Super Bowl, I got it could be a while, but we might be trading. I heard from Todd before, Nick Bosa for Deshaun Watson, so things might be looking good. But anyways, I've already had some sports commentary this morning in my life. But you ought not hear all those things when you come to church. You ought to hear Jesus, the gospel of Christ. It's all, and by the way, it's not just church, that's our lives. When we talk to people, are we ever talking about their soul, eternal things? What did Paul tell Timothy? Preach the word, not only our message. Number two, what do I see here? Our mission. You see it in verse 47. His, his, the remission of sin should be preached in his name. Among, do you see it there in verse 47? Remission of sin should be preached in his name. Among what church? Among all nations. What's our mission? Acts 1, he said the same thing. Go ye, or I'm sorry, Matthew, go ye into all the world. What did he say in, in, um, in Acts 1? He said, to the uttermost part of the earth. What's our mission? That all the earth would know there is a God. That all the earth would know that the Messiah has come. That all the earth would know that somebody died to pay for their sins. Well, well I'm glad, and if we're not careful, we get so comfortable in America. In American Christianity gets so comfortable. Well, I'm glad my family found out. I'm glad I was born in America at that point was a Christian nation. I'm glad I got to go to church freely, and now I'm going to spend the rest of my life enjoying the blessings I've been given. That's not our purpose. I'm not saying you can't enjoy blessings from God. I'm saying our purpose is not just to enjoy our material blessings. No, our purpose is that his name would be preached in all nations, that all the earth may know it's so easy to turn inward and focus our needs on ourselves, uh, focus on our needs while there's a world who has never heard. Our church should regularly be sending prayer, sending finances, sending resources, yea, sending members to preach the gospel in other parts of the country in other parts of the world. I'm thankful that, that over the last several years, every year has been a record year of giving in our missions. I pray that it will multiply. But by the way, we haven't just done our job because we give weekly to missions and then forget about it. No, what more can we pray? Can we encourage? Does God want you to go? What did he say here? Their purpose. Their message was Christ. Their mission was the whole world. The early church was a church in transit, constantly on the move to all those who had never heard. I saw this on social media this week. Uh, he's a pastor and author. He wrote this. He said, generally speaking, as pastors, we talk about the church grew. When we talk about how our church grew, we added this many members and this happened. He said, generally speaking in Acts, they talked about the word spread. Now, that's, I understand it. In, in, in the, at Pentecost, it talks about, and 3,000 were added to the church. It talks a little bit about the church growing there. But how big was the church at Corinth? How many members did they have? Was the church at Ephesus a mega church? Was it a tiny church? Was it medium-sized? How many paid staff did uh, uh, the churches at Galatia have? 
Anybody know? What was, what was the list? How, how big was the membership role uh, for the uh, church at Philippi? We don't know, do we? You know what we do know? They were, they were fulfilling their purpose of spreading the word. I love what this, this, this post said. It said, we generally talk about the church grew. In Acts, they generally talk about the word spread. He says, the church, focus on the word spreading and let God decide how big your church should be. Our goal isn't to build the biggest church. Our goal is to spread the word as much as we can, to share the gospel. That's our purpose, to share the gospel. Our message is Christ crucified. Our mission is till the whole world knows. That's what he told his disciples. Uh, have we lost our heart for missions because we become so comfortable with our lives here in America? Number three, our mandate. Would you read verse 48 aloud with me? Our mandate, verse 48, ready? Begin. And ye are witnesses of these things. Acts, it says this way, ye shall be witnesses. It's not an option. It's a mandate. You are to be witnesses of me. You're to share the gospel. By the way, being a witness, Christian, is not something we outsource to a few paid staff members of the church. Well, I gave my money on Sunday, so that way pastor can share the gospel with somebody on Monday. And I hope that I do share the gospel with somebody on Monday. But you giving some money on, on, and I'm thankful that you gave money on Sunday so that I can get a paycheck. I'm thankful for all of that. What I'm saying is, don't get it mixed up. Well, we hire a few key people in the church, pastors, missionaries, evangelists. We hire those people so they can go tell people of Jesus. And that way I can live my comfortable life and, do, and focus on all my selfish pursuits. That's not the Christian life. You should be witnesses. I should be a witness. No matter where we get our paycheck from, we should be witnesses of Christ. We ought to pass gospel tracts. We have some on the tables in the back that you can grab. We ought to share resources with others. We might send a podcast or a, an article or buy a book for someone. We ought to invite friends to join us in church. We ought to show the love of Christ and meet needs of those that are hurting and let them know the reason I'm meeting your need is because I've been shown the love of God in ways I never deserved. And, and he's challenged me. His word challenges me to share what he's given me with others. And who knows what God will do with that, but every way that we can, we ought to be looking, God, what have you put in my hands? And what, what gifts do I have? Luke was a medical doctor. What gifts do I have? What resources do I have? What strengths do I have? How can I use that for the furtherance of the work of the gospel? Number four, I'm almost done. Our method, verse 49. And behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with, what is it, church? Endued with what? Power from on high. In Acts, he said, you shall receive power. May I just say this? The work of reaching the world is too big for us. By the way, the work of reaching Orange County is too big for us. It's not going to happen because I have some brilliant marketing plan. People aren't going to have their lives changed because I have some amazing joke or illustration to tell. There's not some new method, and I'm not against new programs, and we'll, un, 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 we'll roll out some new ministry programs and ministries this year. I'm not against those things that could better help us to reach people, but let's not put our trust in man-made methods. You know what we need if we're going to fulfill our purpose? We need the power of God. This is his work, and it has to be done in his power. It's too big for us. He said, you he basically told him, go back to Jerusalem and don't go anywhere until you have my power. Don't try to do this thing in your own strength. You're going to be miserable. You're, you're going to be ineffective. Go back there and sit in a room until my power has come upon you. Don't try to do my work in your own strength. And may I say in 2021, don't try to live the Christian life in your own strength. It's too big for us. It's too big for you and it's too big for me. We must have 
the power of God if we're going to see God's work done. Well, let's come up with some awesome ideas that we can manipulate and make people feel emotional. No, let's pray. Let's seek God. Let's ask him to do through us what we could never do in our own strength. He promised that he would never leave us or forsake us, and he would empower us to be the witnesses he's called us to be. Here's the question. Are we tapping into that power? Our method is not some method. It's actually the power of God. And lastly, our motivation. I won't have you turn back there. They'll put the verse up on the screen for you. We read it earlier, Acts 111. Acts 111 says this, which all, so this is the story where Jesus was talking. The disciples are watching him. And there were two men standing by and they said to the disciples, which also said, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? Why, why are you, what are you doing? Why are you staring? And I, I like, again, I like to put myself in the stories. I don't know this for sure, but I kind of like to picture that they were like, well, we knew he could walk on water, but we didn't know he could fly. That's kind of cool. Like, that's why we're staring because we had never seen him fly up like that before. And they're standing there like, do you see that? That's crazy. Jesus is, and this, these two men say, why are you staring? Why are you standing here? Why are you wasting time watching that? Look what he says. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. What does he say? Why are you still standing here? He's coming back quickly. Go get to work with the purpose he's giving you. Don't waste your time here. Our motivation should be the soon return of Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming soon, according to scripture. We don't know when. And by the way, if he's not, our lives are ending soon. How many of you figured out life is but a vapor? This life goes by quickly. Our, our opportunity to share the gospel is limited. It's finite. And our motivation ought to be that our time is short, that heaven is real, that hell is hot, that Christ is coming again. We're going to spend all eternity in heaven with him. And there will come that judgment where we give an account for the things that we've done in this body. What is our motivation? The return of Christ, the, short, the brevity of life should be our motivation. I've got to tell everybody that I can, while I can, about the fact that Jesus changed my life. And, and we get so, I, don't, I shouldn't say we, I'm going to say me. I get so cold and complacent. I'm a pastor of a church and I pass by people all the time that I have no idea if they know Christ and I'm not the witness I should be. And Jesus said, Ryan, you've got to get back to your purpose. I left you here to share the gospel. You're a pastor of the church, not just to have fun, awesome programs for the kids and great campuses and a new youth center. No, I left you here, not just to make buildings beautiful, not just to sing some songs that make us feel good. I left you here to lead a church that will share the gospel. And our motivation is that our time is short. He's coming soon. The promise of his soon return should motivate us to use everything within our disposal to share the life-changing news we've received with everyone that we can. That might mean financially. That might mean time in prayer. That might mean we have people that, that write cards and put a gospel a gospel tract in them and they go through I, I, I don't know if it's a phone book I don't know if people have phone books anymore but somehow they go however you find addresses how do you find addresses in 2020 I don't know how you do that maybe it is a phone book I don't know but anyways they have lists of addresses mailing lists and they handwrite these in our church some some senior citizens in our church that might not be able to do what they could have done 20 or 30 or 40 years but what are they doing I can use my time to plant seeds of the gospel we have people that go out every Saturday and Sunday on buses and pick up people to bring them back to church and knock on doors, inviting people and telling them there's a church that loves them. And more importantly, there's a savior that loves them. They could use their Saturdays or Sundays for something else. Why do they do that? His purpose, our purpose is to share the gospel. 
It might be in giving. We have people that are very generous toward missions and do things for missions works and church plants and, and getting churches started. We have, we have six families sent out of our church that are preaching the gospel in different countries around the world. I pray that number will multiply in the years to come. I don't know what resources he's put in your hand. Here's what I do know. Whether it be your health, your finances, your gifts, your abilities, your career, your education, the priority of those is to use them to further the work of the gospel. That's why he left us here. I'm leaving you here. I'm about to go. Last thing I want to tell you, go be witnesses. But Jesus, what's, what's happening uh, with the inaugurations coming up soon? How's it all going to pan out? Don't worry about it. Go be witnesses. Your purpose is to share the gospel. And again, I, I'm not saying that we can't have a favorite sports team. I'm not saying we ought not vote by biblical values. I'm not saying we ought not be salt and light in the political arena and at, at work. I'm not saying you can't have a, a secular job. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is understanding all of those things. Don't let them distract you. The purpose of everything in our lives is to use what he's given us to share the gospel in whatever ways we can. So as a church, talk to me. What is our purpose? To what? Share the gospel. What is it? To share the gospel. And by the way, what is the church? It's you and me. So our purpose is to share the gospel. I want to challenge you today to decide today that you will do something specific and intentional to plant seeds of the gospel in people's hearts this week. Because I want to say this, and I don't mean this as a guilt trip. I mean this as a biblical challenge. If your life and the resources you have are not being used to regularly further the work of the gospel, you are not fulfilling your purpose. If your life and the resources you have are not being used regularly to further the work of the gospel, to share what Jesus has done in your life with others, you, and if, and it you say, well, pastor, you must be fulfilling your purpose. You're a pastor. Pastors can get completely distracted with the things of this world. Focused on money, focused on fame, focused on building a big church, focused on the reputation, focused on being well-known, focused on, on I've watched I, sometimes some of the things that might go viral or somebody posts. I see some stuff that, that happens in churches across the country that's supposedly the preaching in a, in a supposedly a Bible-believing church. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking. Pastors can get off track in this area just as much as anybody else. The resources he's given me should be used to further the cause of Christ where I'm at in my Jerusalem and around the world. I'm going to challenge you this week. What will you do intentionally to try to share and show the love of Christ? Be ye shall be witnesses. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.